think we've talked about it before, about um, uh, AAA. I've been a member of AAA for some time. They've uh, put out the estimate that this weekend there will be some 39.2 million people in our country that are traveling more than 50 miles from home this weekend. Uh, that's a lot of people out on the road. I remember back in the day when our family would go on long car trips, trips that would take more than just a weekend. And if it was a big enough trip, we would actually call AAA in advance and tell them where we wanted to go and set up an appointment to come and meet with them. And we'd show up for our appointment, we'd go to the counter and a clerk would help us. And if it was a big trip, they would spread out a map of the United States And since we've already contacted them, they would have our route highlighted for us in yellow pen, just a highlighter pen showing here's where you're going to go. And then they would give us these thick books that were full of references to hotels. And it was like a paperback Yelp. It would give you the, the ratings, not everybody's opinions, just AAA's opinions on the restaurants and places to stay and things to do. And then they would, if you asked for it, they'd give you these triptychs. It was like a paper Wikipedia for your journey. They would give you the background on all the towns you'd be going through and and the things to see, the tourist attractions, so that you would be well-informed for the whole trip. In other words, AAA was committed to prepare us for the journey, to prepare us for the journey, which is similar to what we have been finding in uh, those five chapters toward the end of John's gospel, in chapters 13 through 17, that we've been looking at this conversation in the upper room, this extended final conversation that Jesus has with his followers, preparing them for what's coming, preparing them for his death and resurrection, and for, for them to become the leaders of the church going forward. One major element in these chapters is that there's this relationship between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. We, we don't find the word Trinity, but we find the picture of the Trinity all over the place in these chapters. So two weeks ago, we talked about the first part of chapter 16, and we found that Jesus focused on the Holy Spirit in that portion of the passage. Well, this week our focus is on the Son. In other words, Jesus talks about Himself. If you have your Bible with you, let's go ahead and read our passage this morning. The passage is from uh, John 16. It'll be verses 16 through 24. Let's hear the Word of God. And Jesus said, A little while, and you will see me no longer. And again a little while, and you will see me. So some of his disciples said to one another, What is this that he says to us? A little while, and you will not see me. And again a little while, and you will see me. And because I am going to the Father. So they were saying, What does he mean by a little while? We do not know what he is talking about. Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him, so he said to them, Is this what you're asking yourselves, what I meant by saying, a little while and you will see me, and again a little while and you you will not see me, uh, and you will see me? Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, 
but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. In that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. full. May God bless the reading of his word and may God bless our time together as well. Some of you know the name Rowane Deckert. Rowane was the pastor here from 1974 to 2001. 19, or 1974 to 2001, a good number of years. And in talking with people who were a part of this church during that time, there's a, a particular reverence, a particular celebration that appears upon a person's face when they think of Rowane. I was wondering, what would stand out in Rowane's CV, his curriculum vitae, his extended resume, what would stand out? Under his leadership, the congregation moved from their place further south on Knoxville out to this place. Under his leadership, there was the launching of our learning center. In fact, Rowane is the one who carved that image of the Holy Spirit and this one of Jesus. Would those be the things that people would lift off of his CV? Or would it be just the, the combined total impact of his years of service? If we wonder about Rowan's CV, what would it be to wonder about Jesus' CV, his curriculum vitae? You know, we can think about it. We can think about all the things that would appear. Even in John's gospel, we're told that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Would that be on Jesus' CV? I was in the beginning. I was with God. I was God. All things were created through Him. In fact, nothing was created, we're told, in John's gospel. Um, nothing that has been created was created without Him that he turned water into wine, that he spoke to a, a woman at a well, and, and through that conversation, it, it turned out that a whole community, many in that community uh, experienced conversion, came to understand of who Jesus was. He raised Lazarus from the dead. And as good as these things are, and we could fill those pages with so many things that Jesus accomplished and said and did, and yet the thing, that stands out above all the other things. In fact, even all the other things added together wouldn't equal the impact of this one act, this, this dying on the cross and being raised from the dead. What occurs through the dying of the, on the cross and the raising from the dead is his outstanding work in this world. And in our text, Jesus alludes to this work. He doesn't explain it directly. What he does, he specifically talks about the impact that that work will have in this world. Now, before we get into the, the, the meat then of our, of our time together, it, it might be helpful simply to admit 
that part of this passage feels more like a Spice Girls uh, song than it does like a piece of Scripture. Um, in fact, uh, if we go back to the text and, and we look at it, it, it kind of goes a little bit like this. Jesus begins by saying, and I think you'll know which Spice Girls song I'm talking about, a little while and you'll see me no longer, and again a little while and you'll see me. The disciples then go, what is this that he says to us? And then they repeat, a little while and you will see me no longer, and again a little while and you will see me. Do you already feel the song, right? Wanna be? Yo, I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really want. So tell me what you want, what you really, really want. Oh, I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really want. So tell me what you want. So we find then Jesus going, is this what you are asking yourselves? What I meant by saying, a little while and you will see me no longer. And again a little while and you will see me. Wouldn't it have been awesome if Jesus had actually called his disciples scary disciple? Posh disciple, sporty disciple. That would have been so cool. It seems that what the disciples were really wondering about was what Jesus meant by that phrase, a little while. What was he talking about? I love that the passage has the disciples saying, we do not know what he is talking about. And maybe you found yourself there before. I know I have found myself. Jesus, what are you talking about? Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. What does that look like? What are you describing? How can we love each other the way that you've loved us? Or when Jesus said, hey, when you pray, pray, pray like this, that, that Father, you, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What are you talking about? How is that even possible? You know, two weeks ago when we talked about the Holy Spirit, one of the things that Jesus said, he said that when the Holy Spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will, he will bring to your remembrance all that I have said. And we find that even here in this passage, as Jesus is with them, with the disciples, he begins to provide that explanation. And then we know in the story of the Bible that that when the Spirit comes, the understanding of the disciples becomes full. And they know the Spirit accomplished understanding in the disciples. And I trust that the Spirit will accomplish understanding in our midst as well. So here's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at two whiles. We're going to look at two responses or two sets of responses. And then we're going to look at two gifts. So let's look at the first while and the first response. Jesus put it this way, a little while, and you will not be able to see me. That's the first while. A little while, and you will not be able to see me. And the first response that he talks about is that this departure of his would lead to sorrow. Of course, he's talking about his death on the cross. That Jesus, in a little while, a little while from this conversation, would die on the cross. Can you put yourself in the sandals of the disciples? Can you have this sense of what it would have been to experience the death of Jesus? In a little while, you will see me no longer. Maybe picture yourself around that cross experience, gathered with the, 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 the women and the other disciples who are at the edges of those gathered, and they're looking upon the body of Jesus. This is the Jesus whom 
for whom they gave up everything. This is the Jesus that they followed and, and built a friendship with, that, that they experienced the love of Christ firsthand. They've been there with him all the way through his journey in ministry. And now they see his body battered and bruised and bleeding. They see him struggling for breath and finally giving up his spirit and dying on the cross. If we put ourselves in their sandals and, and feel the weight of that moment a little while, and you will see me no longer. A little while, and Jesus dies on the cross. We can imagine the sorrow. We can experience the heaviness of that, the sense of loss that they must have sensed in that day. And maybe even in our own day, we might experience some of that in our own relationship with Jesus. Maybe, maybe we've gone through a time in our lives where, where there was a, a time some years ago where we felt closer to Jesus. And maybe even because of some own choices that, that we have to own up to, that we have not nurtured that relationship. Like, like, like in a marriage where one spouse does not invest in the marriage or both spouses don't invest in it and don't work at the marriage, that one day that that just seems cold and empty. And maybe we're in that place and, and we think of this long ago connection with Jesus and yet today we find ourselves feeling like he's gone away, like there's nothing there. Or, or could it even be that, that we have nurtured that relationship, and yet, yet because of the way of God's work in our life right now, we feel an emptiness? A little while, and you will see me no longer. A little while, and you will not be able to see me. And so they lamented. They wept. And even as they lamented and they felt that sorrow, and even as we can feel that sorrow maybe in our own lives, the world rejoices. The world rejoices. There's a number of places in Scripture where it talks about Jesus being the stone, uh, the stone upon which people stumble. I'm sure that you've had that experience where you've stubbed your toe before right? And you, there's something about stubbing a toe. In fact, even now, as, as we mention it, maybe your toes are cringing just a little bit. There's something about the toes that they have these two nerves that go into each toe, and, and there's the toenail and the bones close to the, to, to the skin. And, and, and when you stub your toe, there's something about the physics of just the force that happens, and there's that immediate response. In fact, there's these two insulated nerves that go directly into the uh, central nervous system, and you feel that pain, intensely right away. There's these other uninsulated un uh, nerve fibers that then bring that slower, that, that more just ongoing ache to, uh, to the brain's awareness. And we don't like having our toe stubbed. And if Jesus is the stone upon which people stumble, that Jesus stubs our toes, that, that it, he he, he um, provides a very different way from the way of the world, and it trips the world up. 
So what makes Jesus such a stumble stone? A couple of weeks ago, I made reference to, if you're a gamer, you know what it is to go around and collecting items, and you collect your items, and you put it in your inventory. You call up a different screen, and you have this whole, whole inventory of items that you collect throughout your game. And, and so some of us may even think that the way that Jesus is in salvation, that, that salvation is just something we pick up, an item that we pick up and we put in our inventory, in our game. We just, and then we go back to our game and playing it by the same rules. But that's not the way that Jesus functioned. That's not what Jesus said in this world. When he came into this world, he changed everything. The reason why so many of us stumble on Jesus, when we stub our toe on Jesus, when we find him to be an obstacle in our life, is because we want to keep playing the game the way we've always played the game. But Jesus comes in and says, listen, love one another. Love your enemies. Be the one who forgives and forgives and forgives and forgives. Not only does he change the way the game is played, but he changes the way the game is scored. Hey, listen, if you want to be the greatest, be the least of all. Be the least of all. Seek the well-being of others. This is why the world rejoices when Jesus goes away. He's a stone upon which people stumble. So what we see in this first little while of Jesus, this little wild departure, is that it results in lament on behalf of his followers, those who love him. And yet it re also results in the world rejoicing. So when we take a look at the second while and the second response, we find that Jesus says, and again a little while, and you will see me. And the second response, and your sorrow will turn to joy. Joy. You know, again, if we were to put ourselves in that experience, and, and maybe again, if we're one of the women that followed Jesus, and we are going to that tomb to bring spices to prepare his body for burial, and, and we come upon that tomb, and, and it's empty. Can you imagine being in their sandals in that moment? And the wondering, and then it's announced to you that he's not to be found here, that he's alive. And, and you go from that place of deep sorrow to deep wonder to amazing joy that when you finally encounter the living Christ and your life is full of joy. Think about the two men on the road to Emmaus. You know, in Luke's gospel, it tells the story of after Jesus' death and uh, um, these uh, two men are on their way to Emmaus and, and they're walking along and they're talking about just the things that happened in Jerusalem over the past few days. And, and it first tells that they looked very sad and they're just overwhelmed by all the things that they had experienced. And then this third person joins. They don't know who it is. They don't recognize him at first. We know it's Jesus and, and the resurrected Jesus. And they finally get to know who he is. And, and after they get to know who he is, they rush back to tell the other disciples from sorrow to joy. Maybe we can picture the disciples themselves, that as they gathered in that lock room, can you imagine the conversations that they would have had with each other, retelling, did you see what they did to Jesus? We gave up everything for him, and he's died. And then 
And then to get the news that, wait, the tomb was empty. And then, and then to have Jesus himself to come into that room and show them his hands and his feet and his side. From sorrow to joy. Jesus explains this with a reference to um, uh, uh, a woman giving birth. And, and I'm glad it's Jesus explaining this, that, that, that he tells, you know, like, like it's as a, a, a woman approaches the day and the day arrives and the anguish uh, that goes on with the delivery of the child and then the child is born and, and, and there's this great joy at the arrival of a human being in this world. And so he says in verse 22, so also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. In other words, in a little while, and again in a little while, you will see me. This is the Easter celebration. Easter is coming there is the Easter victory. The tomb is empty. The death happened, and then the tomb was empty. Jesus died, and then he rose again from the dead. There is a quote by William Temple that um, uh, eventually became Archbishop of Can Canterbury and a great voice for Christ in this world during his life. He writes it this way. He makes a comment on this section of John's gospel. He says, It is not only that joy will take the place of sorrow, but the sorrow itself becomes the joy. The cross is not for Christians a stumbling block which the resurrection has removed. It is not a defeat of which the effect has been canceled by a subsequent victory. It itself is the triumph. What was the devil's worst has become God's best. Jesus' death on the cross, which caused and resulted in such sorrow, actually achieved for humanity the covering of sin. That he paid a penalty that, that we would not be able to pay uh, and live uh, um, on our own, he stood in our stead before God and died for our sins. Such that Peter then is able to say, Peter, the one who was full of sorrow, the one who actually denied Jesus, and then through the receiving of the Holy Spirit is able to say at the council in Jerusalem at the beginning of Acts, this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among humans by which we must be saved. Sorrow to joy. Loss to fullness. Grief. And by the way, let's just admit, grief, grief is this, this full thing that, that is just such loss. It seems to rip at our very soul. It creates these empty spaces in us that we think could never be filled again. And yet in Jesus Christ, grief we experience at his departure becomes joy, becomes wholeness. Those holes are filled in again with life. Which brings us to two gifts 
See, it turns out that in response to these little wiles that we receive two gifts, and the first one is what we've already talked about. The first gift we experience then is this joy. But, but it's a joy that's not just a response that we have, like, gosh, I feel good about that, thanks. But it's a joy that cannot be taken away from us. In the, in the Bible, when they talk about joy, this kind of joy, it's a joy that's not founded just in an experience, but upon the very character of God. And Jesus here is claiming, listen, your joy is founded on the character of God. It cannot be taken away from you, just as God's character cannot be taken away from him. And so on Jesus' CV, on his resume, he could write, provided all my followers with everlasting joy. And so we can say to God, there is nothing better than you. And we can absolutely mean it, for it is a fundamental principle of all of existence that the absolute best thing is God. So in addition to this gift of joy, we find that the second gift is the opportunity to pray in Jesus's name. Toward the end of the passage, it says, listen, now, you know, you've never done this before, but now you can pray to the Father in my name, which is to say that you can pray in my way. I have established, I died on the, on the cross I'm going to be raised from the dead. He doesn't go into detail. Listen, I'm going away for a little while. You won't be able to see me. You'll be sorrowful. And then a little while again, and you will see me. I'm going to be raised from the dead. And this is the gift. At that time, you'll be able to pray in my name, in the way of my redemption, in the way of my new life, what I have accomplished for you. In other words, in Scripture, we could also describe that we, it's this freedom to live in the name of Jesus to worship in the name of Jesus, to, to love in the name of Jesus, to thrive in the name of Jesus, to cry, cry out in the name of Jesus. Jesus provides the direction, the orientation for our whole life. In other words, it's not a magical phrase. We don't just throw out in Jesus' name as a magical phrase. We align our prayers, we align our life with his way. Paul put it wonderfully. He describes it this way to the Galatians. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's living, worshiping, loving, praying in the name of Christ. And so how do we apply this? What does an application look like? Maybe we ask ourselves, is our response to Jesus one of joy? You know, we declare in songs that he's our way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light of darkness, light in the darkness. We sing out that in him alone our hope is found, that he's our light, our strength, our song. We confess that we just want him, stating nothing else, nothing else, nothing else will do. We celebrate that Jesus called our names and we ran out in response of our own graves. Out of the darkness into his glorious day. Into the day that he brought about through his death and resurrection. If we sing those out, do we live those out? Is the greatest thing on our CV, on our resumes, the greatest thing is that we're saved by grace, by his love, by his death on the cross by a little while we would see him not. 
and then again a little while, and we would see him. Is that the best thing on our resume? Saved by grace, not by works. It's God's gift to us so that none of us can boast. In fact, that we were created in Christ Jesus to do good works that um, God prepared in advance for us that we would walk in them. So here's what I would have us do. Would you tell yourself the gospel this week? In fact, multiple times each day, would you tell yourself, would you remind yourself that a little while he went away and we saw him not? In a little while, we did see him and he saw us. That Jesus died on the cross and that's such sorrow and yet that sorrow becomes our joy. And would you tell yourself that gospel multiple times every day so that as we hear and rehear and we understand what life is all about, that indeed we would see that joy growing in our hearts. Let's pray together. Jesus, you came into this world and you rewrote and clarified and made clear for this world what life really is all about, what the game is all about, how the score is kept. We confess that in our own lives we have stumbled upon uh, who you are. We, we have stubbed our own toes against you and, and sometimes rejected what you have taught. Would you forgive us? God, would you make clear in our hearts afresh the good news of Jesus Christ? That we would celebrate that in Jesus' little while you will not see me, that his death on the cross means that we have new life with you. And that his resurrection, his, his, and again a little while and you will see me, that his resurrection to life means that we have life eternal with you. May your good news May your good news so resonate in our souls that we would live with you and for you for all of eternity and that our joy would be full in you. God, if this is the first time that we've even heard that, that we acknowledge it, that even today would we accept your good news for us and accept your grace into our lives and become followers of Christ ourselves. To you be the glory. We pray this in the way of Christ. In his name, amen.